Welcome to another episode of the Third and Goal podcast. Something new, something old, and something borrowed. The something old being a New York Jets quarterback needing a decent O-line. The something borrowed being a Philadelphia Eagles O-line that falls apart again and again and again with only two starters remaining. And the something new being Tom Brady's debut performance in the City of Stars resulting in him playing a supporting role to Rams leading man Matt Stafford. I'm your host, Fred Patton. Sadly, Dan can't join us tonight, but I am joined by Rob Monk, as always. How are you doing, Rob? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Fred. Uh, always better for hearing your <laughs> wonderful intros. Um, put me in damn shame every time you do it. We say that every time you do it, but you continue to do it. I was delighted when I found out it was Brady's first ever, well, first ever game in, in Los Angeles, isn't it? Weirdly, he's played, uh, I think, played LA teams four or five times, but never in LA. So, uh, so yeah, that was uh, just sparked something off in my brain and away I went. So, uh, yeah, good stuff for you there. Without further ado, I mean, it's quite a funny week. I think you're sort of starting to separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit, aren't we? But talking of uh, probably two teams which are more chaff than wheat, if we start with the Falcons versus the Giants, the Falcons picked up a win, Rob. Um, yeah, but that actually hurt my eyes watching that. <laughs> it was horrifically painful um, the only way I can put it really is it was two bad teams that were trying the best to beat themselves really um, obviously I'm going to be massively biased in my review of the game here towards a Falcon perspective mm. um, but Matt Ryan wasn't great despite his box score probably suggesting that it was better than I think he was um, I don't think he's thrown any big time throws all this year and um, I don't think he's physically thrown the ball further than or over 30 yards um, he was sacked three times fumbled once a running game never got going Davis got 50 yards and 12 carries Patterson 20 yards and 7 carries Patterson did lead us in receiving yards um, however Calvin Ridley was poor um, multiple times Failed to get first down yardage when he was in acres of space. Um, and instead, he ended up facing the line of scrimmage and then sort of duking before anybody even got to him and then also falling to the floor to avoid contact like he was scared of being hit, which I know has been a criticism of him. Um, not a massive criticism, but there's been players ever since he was drafted into the league that goes down before the contact like he's scared Kyle Pitts got two receptions um, I actually forgot that he was playing at one point um, our offensive line is bad um, in terms of run blocking and pass protection so you can basically say that our offensive line is just bad I suppose um, but we knew that defensively graded Jarrett had a good day um, but he will want to forget about being trucked by Daniel Jones. How that happens, I'm not too sure. Uh, Dion Jones and Alua kind of had solid games, but there's not really a lot to be optimistic about, I don't think, in terms of our secondary. AJ Terrell was out injured and we played TJ Green. They just constantly targeted him. He looked a liability, gave, gave up more than 100 yards in coverage. Um, yeah, Daniel Jones... He looked good, but not great. 
They're just before we come on to the Giants, Rob, just to talk about Matt Ryan very quickly, because obviously on the face value, he looks looks like he's done okay. You know, um, 27-36-2-4-3 in terms of yardage and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Obviously, you mentioned he got sacked, but is he inhibited by this O-line that you say isn't very good, or do you think he's perhaps on the way down a little bit? You know, what, what's your perception? Um... You know, he's got weapons. But then all those weapons not performing. I don't know. Is it you know? It's difficult to. We look at last week against the Bucks, and I think Matt Ryan had a great game. Um, obviously, we lost that game, but you'd expect us to anyway. But you know, he, he did have a great game. Um, but I don't know. I just find it difficult watching us at the moment. And I don't know if we're having some difficulties learning the playbook. But there's been multiple times where Ridley's been there. And Matt Ryan's been motioning him in further and um, saying you're in the wrong place. And he's looking and shrugging his shoulders as if to say, I don't know what we're doing. And um, It's happened with a few players. And I just wonder whether we're struggling to get to grips with um, this new playbook and the new terminology that's been used at this early part of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's playing behind an offensive line, which... I thought after week one would probably end up end up being the death of him. <laughs> uh, there has, have been improvements, and Jalen Mayfield, to be fair, after a disastrous game where he got the lowest PFF grade in pass protection, I think it was ever. Um, Done all right, really. He's actually stepped up and seventy-three point six was it on against the Giants? I think it was what sorry. 73.6 was him against the Giants, I think. Yeah, something like that. So he's making, you know, he has made improvements. He's still not there yet. Um, but yeah, the offensive line's not great. We've got a second-year centre who didn't play a lot in his rookie year. Um, you know, replacing Alex Mack, that is a big ask. Mm. It's going to take time, but, you know, um, other than... You know, Jake Matthews at left tackle is a great left tackle and he's solid there. And um, Chris Lindstrom at right guard. Um, but everything else about that offensive line, you know, is a big question mark and a little bit a little bit sketchy, really. Um, so whether you can put a bit of that down to it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone looks good with a good O-line, don't they really, I guess, to a degree. I mean, you know, sort of jumping games for a split second here, but you look at the Patriots' first two games and the O-line held well and Mac Jones looks very good. Um, a Saints team that went after Mac intentionally, went after that O-line and got through a few times, then Mac doesn't look so good, you know. So a lot of it is, you know, how much protection you can get and I guess how confident you are as well. Because even if you, you know, even if the O-line isn't, brilliant if they're holding up most of the time and you back yourself to that extra second to have a look and see what's going on you're more than likely going to hit that passer um so hit that receiver a lot easier aren't you really and i guess if you haven't got a lot of faith in the o-line even if they do choose to hold up that time or may have to hold up that time then you may be not giving yourself as much time as you need to to be effective i guess but going on to the giants i mean the giants are a funny one really because they played dan jones particularly played pretty well and obviously come out own two prior to this one um you know, and sort of established himself a little bit as a dual threat. He had sort of a touchdown cancelled out and, and all this sort of stuff um, rushing uh, a couple of weeks ago. So you're showing he can use his legs. I mean, what were your sort of impressions of him? <clears throat> yeah, I think he looked good, but not great. Um, their offensive line struggled as well, mm. um, particularly in run blocking. We all 
Barkley to 51 yards on 16 carries. Um, whether he's still getting up to speed after his injury last season, um, but I'll take that. They also had a few injuries <laughs> on to the wide receivers as well. Shepard went out mm-hmm. uh, first quarter, I think, and uh, I think Darius Slayton got banged up and missed parts of the game as well. Um, they were good in pass protection. Um, and like I say, he used his legs a few times. Linebackers in the secondary as well for the Giants had a good game as well. Um, but I just think both offences really struggled. And, you know, you can see that by the scoreline. I mean, the Giants have got a defence way, way better than better than the Falcons. Um, and the fact that our defence managed to keep um, the Giants down to 14 points. Um, I think, you know, they're not the best offence in the league. By any stretch, but neither is our defense isn't great either. So, you know, they did a good job there. Um, but I don't know. I think it was one of those games where I'd have been devastated if we lost because I think our season would be over and would, <laughs> you know, literally. I don't. Even, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. Um, might as well just get that out there. Um, <laughs> but. You know, if we can win six, seven games, I think at this stage, going to have to take that eight push. Um, but I don't, you know, especially with our division, I don't think that's really going to happen. Um, but we just make like moving the ball forward look so difficult. And you know, put red zone on and watch highlights and. Everyone else seems to make certain players just with ease and make it look easy. And we, you know, we end up on third down most of the time. We struggle to convert it. Uh, our red zone offense was actually um, really good in the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, not that great on Sunday because we only played, um, we only got 17 points, but. Uh, can't remember. I mean, I don't think we got to the red zone too often either. Um, but we got a win on the board. Defense played okay to say that they're below average. We need to see more from the offense moving forward. Um, yeah, I just I'm going to London in a few weeks, aren't we? And <laughs> just yeah, I hope we're not going to lose to the Jets because that'd be disastrous. I think you'd probably be all right against the Jets. That's more an indictment of the Jets than uh, praising of the Falcons. But I guess going into just in general for both of these teams, what, what do you think both of these teams can hope for from what you've seen so far? Well, even though we won, it wasn't convincing. You know, if we'd have won like put points up in the high 20s and kept them under 20 in, and we'd seen a bit more from the offence, then I might have thought things are clicking. But it was... Like I say, it looked like two bad teams and we were just a little bit better than they were or they were a little bit worse than we were, if you like. Um, so I don't think either team are going to have a great season, to be honest. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like from watching that game, if they'd have kept their wide receivers fit and on the field, probably like... Probably felt like... The Giants have more reason for optimism yeah. for the rest of the season. 
than the what the Falcons do. Well, only 15 more weeks to go, so uh, you can always console yourself with that. Moving over to uh, Indianapolis, Tennessee then, uh, and obviously Titans come out on top on this one. Carson Wentz struggled a little bit. I know this is a game you were sort of looking forward to um, there, Rob. How did you sort of see that one? Um, well, we spoke about this in last week's preview and saying the Colts wouldn't want to end up being not in three mm. after week three, and that's exactly what's happened. Um when no, started, we said that in the um, previews as well, didn't we? I think, as yeah. in the preview of the team, yeah. Yeah, um, I think Wentz started, well, Wentz did start for the Colts, which surprised me a little bit because the news coming out of Indianapolis in the week seemed to suggest he wouldn't be able to play. I think he's got two sprained ankles. Um, but I think they probably thought it was worth the risk, gave them the best opportunity to, to win and not have to rely on Jacob Eason. A big divisional game. Um, the Colts, AJ Brown left the game for them. Uh, sorry, the Titans um, with a hamstring injury and did not return. Um, Titans had a chance to put points on the board before half time, uh, which would have put them further in the lead. Um, but Tannehill was picked off a bad bounce. Colts then opened the second half with three points, which made it a 14-13 scoreline. And at that point, was uh, it was anyone's. Um, the Titans then, on their next possession, had another turnover, but then managed to get the ball back and made it, make it a nine-point game after converting for two points with uh, Derek Henry after a touchdown. You know, a couple of field goals later and a few defensive stands for the Titans um, in the red zone, which... Is huge for them because they're not a great defense either. And the Titans have have come away with a with a win. So yeah, just sort of a game that I expected the Titans to win. I think we all did. We all went for Titans on that. Mm-hmm. Colts they'll be disappointed with the way that they've started the year and um, been not on three. Um, but yeah, I guess the Titans although they've won. They don't look as good offensively as, as what they did last year either. Mm. I don't know. Have you seen much yeah, of that? It's, yeah, I mean, it's a funny one. I think, um, you know, I feel a bit for the Colts and I feel a bit for Wentz in general because obviously he's trying to prove he's not made out of glass. And, you know, the first thing he goes and does in preseason is get injured. And now he's got two sprained ankles as well alongside. Um, this and it's, it's very difficult, I imagine, for him to find some rhythm because I, I think it went pretty well week one, um, but it's just sort of slowly unraveled since then for him. Um, so I'm not quite sure where this cult side are at. I know people look at them and expect to win a lot of games. I just wonder if that is because they're the Colts and because they've got a large part of what they had over the last well, last couple of years. Um, I'm not very high on them, if I'm perfectly honest. I'm, I'd like to see what happens when Wentz is fully fit, but to get fully fit in the middle of an NFL season, um, it's a very difficult thing to do, you know. Um, so, you know, whether he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing and whether as a result the Colts won't do as well, perhaps as they should with a, maybe a fully fit Wentz or, or a quarterback who's performing well, I don't know. Titans-wise, yeah, they're so two or three really good options 
on offense. I think from a purely fantasy football point of view, their usage of Julio Jones completely confuses me. Uh, and I try and include him in DraftKings, having seen all the receptions he got, uh, the targets he got last week, and they only had three receptions for 47 yards this week. So uh, they're messing me about in that sense. Um, Bit of a sort of funny game for Tannehill. As he said, he got picked off um, through an INT, another INT there as well. Um, but he's also thrown three touchdowns. So, so when it mattered, he's put up the big points in a game where perhaps he wasn't at his best. But, you know, when you've got Derek Henry running 113 yards or whatever he ran alongside that, he's doing a lot of that legwork for you and getting you into those positions where you can throw those touchdowns quite easily um, in comparison to sort of the Colts. You know, Jonathan Taylor supporting with 64 yards. You know, he's not went with two sprained ankles isn't getting the support Tannehill is fully fit is he really so um, the Titans go on I think the Titans will go and play better games than this so it'll be tighter and they'll look more efficient than they perhaps did against the Colts and um, you know from that point of view I think it was a good time for them to play the Colts even though I don't think they're uh, quite a 100% No I mean I think you know I do think the Colts have got a good roster I mean they've not started they've not had a need to start have they? No Seattle in week one, played the Rams in week two, played the Titans in week three. And the problem for them is, is you can't see a stretch really where they could kickstart their season. Mm. They play Miami next week. Um, that's not, that's a game they've got to be looking at to win. But then after that, they play the Ravens. Then they play Houston, which they'd expect to win. But then they've got to play the 49ers, then the Titans again before week nine. Then they play the Jets, then the Jags in week 10. But then it's Buffalo and Tampa Bay before they play the Texans again before a late bye week. And it just looks like every game that you could see them winning seems to be sandwiched between two or three tough games. Mm. And yeah. think, sorry, go on, Rob. Sorry. I just think what they needed was they needed a stretch where they could highlight three games and say, yeah, we can win three or four on the bounce here and put some wins on the board. Whereas they've had three really tough games to start it. Got a winnable game against Miami next week. Tough game against Baltimore. Winnable game against the Texans. Two tough games against the 49ers and the Titans. Two games they should be winning the Jets and the Jags. Two really tough games in the Bills and the Bucks. So it's just, you know, it's, it's not favourable for them, I don't think. I think as well, again, going back to the Wentz issue, but tying into the bye week they've got, and they've got a late bye week as well, they're probably in the situation they're in, probably the team that least needs a late bye week, in all honesty. I think they'd be much happier with an early bye week. You know, again, mentioned about Wentz's injury in pre-season, but that's no doubt disruptive. Um, it's not as if he's been there for three or four years, knows the playbook inside out, and everyone knows how he works. It's a, a situation where he's gone into this team new. Um, and to have a disruptive preseason, then no time to necessarily put it right, um, or just even just get used to his teammates a bit better, fully fit, and have a bye week where they can do a bit of training if they need to, or take a break or whatever. Um, you know, was it week thirteen? You said the bye week was. That's no help to them in their their situation. Coupled up with what you said, in that they haven't got a run of easy games at any point, have they really? So um, it's tricky. You know, regardless of whether you think the roster's good or, or not so good, um, and whether you think Wentz is good or not so good, it, there's either which way they've got no very difficult to build momentum with that. Talking about a team that's just struggling to build a little bit of momentum, we'll go to the New England Patriots um, and the New Orleans Saints side that just 
did enough to beat them, really. I think we all said prior to the game of this one that, you know, the side that got ahead um, was probably going to be the side that won it. And the Saints did. They scored seven points in every quarter. Um, Patriots struggled to get going. I think this is the first team that's really tested the uh, the Pats O-line, in all honesty. Um, they really came after, the pass rush really came after Mac Jones. And Jones's completion percentage prior to this was above, I think it was 73.9% um, prior to this game. And, you know, he's been sacked very, very little and had very little pressure put on him. And I think the Saints saw things in a different way and thought, right, we're going to go after the rookie QB. We're going to put pressure on that O-line. And it is quite a good O-line, but it's an O-line that broke. And as soon as the pressure was on Mac, and things did look a little bit different. You know, he threw three INTs. One of those obviously returned for a touchdown. Um, it was a bit more of a desperate showing. And the, the, to be fair to the O-line, they sorted themselves out a bit better in the third and the fourth quarter. But by then, it's a little bit late. And that's a, my one criticism of Mac Jones so far, I think it's been really, really good. I don't actually think, you know, as a Patriots fan, you could have asked for any more from a rookie QB um, coming into this organisation. Um, but... His ability to chase games, um, Patriots as a whole, it hasn't really been proven yet. You know, they're relying on the running backs a lot generally, but that running, that rushing game was shut down by the Saints. It's another thing the defence did really, really well. Uh, and Sean Payton spoke of the turnovers and spoke about how that's probably going to determine who wins the game. And um, they shut us up on on that as well. But the, the problem is, I mean, Max good with making third downs, but... It's almost as if, and I can't imagine every single side for the first three weeks has set themselves up in this way against the Patriots, but it was almost like watching every week. It's almost been like watching teams come at the Patriots defense of old of the bend and don't break. And he's good at getting down the field, but getting in the red zone and, and doing what you need to do in the red zone and, and throwing, um, throwing touchdowns it is not something he's done too well yet. And again, he's a young quarterback and he's shown a lot of promise and I've no doubt he'll get there. But in terms of whether the Patriots are going to go and try and win 10 games or whether they're going to come out with seven wins after this season. You know, a lot depends on how quickly that improvement happens because, you know, if you get a team like the Saints who are going to put pressure on um, Mac and you shut down that rushing game, you're going to need something more. You know, you're going to need someone who can go and make big throws. Um, that said, you know, Kendrick Bourne had a fantastic game. Jacoby Myers, finally, from a Patriots point of view, um, doing very well. And, you know, again, I sort of criticised um, Mac a little bit, but, you know, Johnny Smith dropped two huge catches. One of those was the one that um, they returned for a defensive touchdown as well. Um, it's, it's a really funny place to be because actually... I find it difficult to get too disappointed and too angry because I think there's obvious limitations. It's not like a Cam Newton situation where you go and sign an experienced quarterback because you need him to put up lots of points, you need him to go and win games for you, and it doesn't happen. I think you've got a lot more patience with someone who's had two very good games and a much tougher test this time round defensively. Um, so, you know, they're, they're one and two, but... It's probably so, you know, there's enough in the tank in terms of goodwill towards Mac and goodwill towards this receiving call that, you know, is improving um, to think that things could get better. But um, but they do need to get better if they're going to win more games. You know, they're not pushing up a lot of points. And I don't think anyone could argue um, argue that they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what I've got written down is Patriots offense slow to get started, really. Um, I think he started the game with three three and outs, mm-hmm. and a total of 
13 yards off in, uh, of total offense in the first quarter. quarter. In the Saints did a good job of nullifying your running game and, as you've said, your offensive line failed to protect Jones this week. I think he got hit 11 times, sacked twice. Matt contributed towards his some of his three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like you've made two big-name tight end signings this year in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen of the Patriots so far this year, I just feel like they're... I don't know what you think, but I feel like they're failing to live up to their expectations so far at this early part of the season. Yeah, I, mean, I think Hunter Henry's done pretty well, um, to be honest with you. I think in terms of both blocking and, and receiving, I'm pretty happy with how he's going. I think Johnny Smith maybe kept under the radar a little bit more until this week where he's dropped two, two crucial, or potentially crucial interceptions. And so he needs to come out and, you know, he needs to put in a big performance. But it's difficult because they're, you know, I know he's had 51 attempts at throwing this this week, Jones, but they haven't, until third down, and his third down completions um, for the first down are fantastic. But until that point, you know, they, they don't tend to want to throw it too far unless they have to. And I guess, you know, if, depending how you want to use your tight ends and whether you're going to go with too many heavy tight end sets with a new quarterback, I don't, don't quite know, but I'm not disappointed with my Hunter Henry point of view. Johnny Smith, I think, yeah, I think you need to see a little bit more from him. Yeah, I mean, having said that though about your offense and everything, you did bring them back to within eight points in the fourth mm. quarter, and after that they had a 13 play drive which took six minutes 45 seconds off the clock and pushed the game out of reach. And um, yeah, so you brought the game back, and then you know they've chewed the clock down and. I think it was Taysom Hill that got the touchdown. And, uh... yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> he was um, used sparingly initially, and I think in the first, I think they put him out twice in the first two quarters, and both times we shut him down. But um, I'm always very, I don't know, if I feel reluctant to praise him, but it was like an experienced head. The, the issue the Saints have got, and this was apparent on Sunday night as well. I know Jermaine Winston didn't throw any INTs, um, but there was a few errant throws, and th- these are points where there were eight, yeah, at points where there were eight points up, and there was one score in it, or at two, you know, points where there were two scores up, and they just really needed to run the ball and control the game. And he's trying to, you know, look for that magic throw, and there's no need in those situations, and that's where the Saints will come unstuck. And he was lucky they didn't go to hand. It wasn't as if the Patriots dropped them, but they were nowhere near anybody and in play, which is a huge risk, isn't it? Really, certainly from a, you know, offensive point of view as a defense, so we got to have someone in the right zone and you know ready to make a catch and you you know you've turned over the ball haven't you and um he got fortunate you can see perhaps why he gets so many uh so many INTs and so many um yeah loses the ball so often but the Patriots didn't make it count and he got away with it you know it could have been a very different game in that sense really um mm. So, I don't know, I'm not particularly impressed by the Saints still. I think they did a good job on the Patriots. Again, I think if the Patriots had gone 14-3 up, then the Patriots would have gone and won that game as well. So, you know, I don't think there was too much between the sides in, in their overall ability. Um be interesting to see where they end up, in all honesty, the Saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully they'll lose uh, both times to play the Falcons this year. That'd be nice. <laughs> Talking of other games, did you see the game last night? The, uh, the Eagles-Cowboys. Yeah, I didn't, no. Fantastic game. Um, if you're a Cowboys fan, I think a lot of issues we'd seen with the Eagles certainly got highlighted. I think that 
you know, they're losing players in that O-line left, right and centre. And you can tell because Hertz, who I think, to be to his credit, actually did pretty well. I know for the two INTs, but he's very mobile. He's, you know, he's still throwing two touchdowns, still throwing for 326 yards with limited protection. But, um, you know, he's almost in a hiding to nothing at times there in terms of the people getting after him. And a little bit reminds me of Mahomes, not in terms of ability, but in that ability to run fast sideways, keep behind the line of scrimmage and still try and make a pass or still make that pass. I think, you know, he looks certainly looked better uh, in the first two weeks with protection. Um, it's a bit of a shame, really, from his point of view, because he sort of, Almost in quite a good rhythm at times, but um, it just didn't quite happen for him. I think from a Cowboys point of view, though, as a Cowboys side, that looks pretty good. I know the defense, a lot of questions on that, but offensively, you know, Ezekiel Elliott came to the party with two touchdowns and 95 yards. Dak, 21 of 26 completions. Um, Receiving-wise, not fantastic, um, in all honesty, but, you know, more than enough, really. Um, So it's a... It's an interesting one. I think that probably confirms for me that sort of the Cowboys are going to go ahead and win that NFC East. Um, I mean, talking about other games that went on over the weekend, Ravens just beat the Lions with a 66-yard field goal that hit the post and went over. Um, what else caught your eye, Rob? Yeah, that took a field goal. Well, you've just mentioned it. Immense. And what a way to go in by hitting the crossbar and then bouncing the right way it just made it so much better than if it went straight through mm. uh, I know you could then say oh it made that from 70 but you know just hit the bar and then go over just incredible um Rams books was obviously got to have been high on uh, games people looking forward to mm. I think now we can say it I think Rams are going to be a Super Bowl contender yeah. um, I know I have said that during the off season, um, although I did worry that losing Cam Akers for the season had hurt their running game, uh, but I'm pleased with Matt Stafford. You know, he's gone in there, he's really elevated them, and I can imagine if Jared Goff was still at quarterback there for the Rams, then they'd have lost that game. You only have to look at Stafford's stats: twenty-seven to thirty-eight, three hundred forty-three yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Just you know. They're a great team and um, what a way to make a statement. I know it doesn't always mean that, you know, the, the Chiefs did the Bucks last year, but then when it mattered in the Super Bowl, the Bucks did the Chiefs. Mm. Um, but I think the Rams are definitely in that top three or four teams, the way that uh, you look at the roster and the way they've started the season. And right was- for me, in terms of ability, they're there. You know, they are definitely ability-wise in that top three or four teams as you mentioned I think that was an important win for Matt Stafford whether they won that game in the long run over the course of the season doesn't really matter too much I don't think so I think they'd get enough wins to get to the playoffs either way do you know what I mean but in terms of the ability to win a big game I've sort of spoken up many times Al Stafford has not won a playoff game in his two attempts and this wasn't a playoff game but you know it's just pretty close to being as close to a playoff game as you can get in terms of the the intensity and the team you're coming up against and you know they're going to be there or thereabouts and you know you quite rightly mentioned how the Chiefs beat the Bucks last year but that was a Bucks side that was still getting better and still growing you've now got this Bucks side which 
they've played together a year. That is the Bucks now. Do you know what I mean? Whereas this actually this Ram side, which if anything may get slightly better because you've got a new running back in Sonny Michelle and you've got a new quarterback in Matt Stafford, who's probably still not a hundred percent okay with with the playbook maybe and, and the receivers. So you know it's all. It's quite exciting from a Rams point of view, and it's definitely a tick in the box for me to say, actually, yeah, maybe they will go um, deep, deep into that playoff uh, at the end of the season. And, um, yeah, let's see how we go from yeah, there. Well, yeah, you're right. If you listen to what Dan says, then the books, uh, you know, they they can't get any better. They're there, so mm. um, got no room for growth. So, yeah, maybe you're right on that one. Um, other ones, I got... Chargers beating the Chiefs. Yeah. Mahomes picked off in what was his final possession of the game. Charges them fourth and four. Turns into a fourth and nine on a false start penalty. Then a pass interference penalty against the Chiefs. Gives them a first down on the Chiefs' 20-yard line. Two players later, Mark Williams scores a touchdown. 36 seconds left. Chargers win the game. Chiefs are one and two. It's interesting with the Chiefs. So a few things I mentioned. I think the Chiefs are fantastic, obviously. Before I say what I say, I'll caveat with that. But, you know, I feel like last year they got away with a lot of borderline penalties. Um, I think also teams didn't tend to go after them until very late in the season. By go after them, I meant either attack them in the way the Raiders did in terms of trying to put up as many points as possible or really go after Mahomes and go after that O-line, which yeah, they've invested in and actually made better. But it still isn't perfect and they're still learning to play together. And I think the Chargers went for plan A of that rather than plan B and, and went after the Chiefs. And they've come out on top and, you know, so many times last year, and we, I think we spoke about it, as well earlier this year that they leave it late to go and win a game and it's they I say got away with it they've got a fantastic ability offensively you know they've got that ability to go and put points up very very quickly but you you know not everything's going to go your way all the time and I think they're just finding that out a little bit now for me yeah no I agree I mean we spoke about that in the post-season team reviews and the Chiefs fan we had on then said how frustrating it was because they'd be losing games, they'd win tight games, they weren't blowing teams out like you might expect them to. Every game was was close and tight and mm. um, yeah, you know, Herbert, great season last year and, you know, he's come back and he played awesome on Sunday night. So, yeah, be interesting to see how, uh, how they react to that and obviously uh, Andy Reid uh, went to hospital afterwards in a um, in the ambulance. So I'm sure he doesn't listen to us on here, but uh, <laughs> obviously we uh, we wish him well and hope he's all right. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things just to round off quickly. Talk about the rookie QBs in action. Justin Fields sacked eight times versus that Brown side. Um, horrible. I've actually got a note on here, Fred. Go on. Defensive Player of the Week, Miles Garrett. He showed Justin Fields no mercy. He got four and a half sacks. And I actually, he was sacked. I think it was nine times, not eight. Is it nine? Um, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's not, yeah. As the Browns went on a 26-6 victory over the Bears. But yeah, that is... Miles Garrett is my defensive player of the week. Not that that's the thing that we do, but... Um, but yes. from now on, we do. Rob's defensive player of the week. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a horrible team to come up against, isn't it, really, as a, a rookie QB? Well, he's not making his debut, he's played, but for starting debut, isn't he? Um, 
because they're so well organised and it's it's a very good organisation. I think both sides of the ball and they really give you the impression they know what they're doing. Um, conversely, we're talking about the Chiefs there, who perhaps at times, with all that ability, don't quite do what you'd expect them to do. But the Browns, nine times out of ten, will go and do what you expect them to do, won't you? Um, so you know, a horrible way to make a debut. And, you know, that, that saw so much criticism of that O-line as well. Um, for the Bears and rightfully so if someone's getting sacked nine times you know no matter if you've got defensive player of the week Miles Garrett in your side you know you shouldn't be allowing <laughs> allowing your quarterback to get sacked nine times should you really so you know well, another uh, player of the week as well gone, Fred gone, gone. once we've gone through the rookie QBs like you want to I'll finish it off with uh, my other award I'm giving away this <laughs> this week so yeah I'm, I'm not going to be too hard on Justin Fields personally I think it was a baptism of fire in that sense, particularly with that O-line, particularly with how well organised um, that Browns side are. And they go to the Lions next week and hopefully sort of a slightly easier day for him, at least physically. Um, Trevor Lawrence, again, not fantastic. Demonstra- you know, throwing out a touchdown, great, but two more INTs. He hasn't got masses to work with. I think we all know that. Um, if you talk about DJ Shark and he has got James Robinson, James Robinson had a had an okay game, but yeah, they need he, no, he needs to show more. It's, it's week three, you've got a long time for him to show more. But, um, you know, you're always you're already getting the comparisons between the QBs that were complete flops and and the ones like I think Manning went two wins in his first first season as a starter and all this sort of stuff. So which way will it go for Lawrence? Because at the moment, I can't see where they're going to get one win, let alone two, I guess. But um, yeah, so much was promised of him. And this is the difficult thing coming in. You you come into a bad organisation because that's the way the draft works, I guess, as well. So, you know, very uh, tricky start for him so far. And then, of course, Sam, poor old Sam Darnold II over at uh, the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, two more irons. Yeah. yeah, another second game straight where he's not throwing a touchdown. Um, actually, put up no points at all. The mm-hmm. put up twenty points in three games. Ouch. Um, and again, this should all give me so much hope for the <laughs> London game. But I- you feel like they're going to go and put 50 points up. No the Falcons, 45-12. Wilson, <laughs> seven touchdowns. Um. That would be dreadful. But, no, I mean, seriously. Look, week one, he was sacked six times. Week two against the Patriots, he was sacked four times. Denver sacked five times. One interception in week one, four in week two, two in week three. Two touchdowns in week one, no touchdowns in week two, and no touchdowns in uh, in week three. Um, yes, he's another player that's ended up in a... I think Jets are actually, a, for me, a worse team mm. than, oh, 100%. than the Jacks. Um, you look at the Jacks team and, you know, James Robinson at, at running back and... Uh, Chark and Chanel and they've they've got weapons at wide receiver as well. Um, There's things to like. So, yeah. There's things where you could see where they could improve. I think with the Jets, it's very difficult to look and say, "Oh, they're going to improve here." You know, with what they've got. Yeah, I think you know the Jets went out and made some decent signings as well. And mm. you know, I'm not talking about 
Tim Tebow or anything. But, um, you know, we spoke about the Jags in a season preview show and said they were so hard to put them somewhere because we could see them winning two games or if things panned out for them, we could see them winning 10 games. And they're just, at the moment, they look like, you know, they're going to be at the, the lower end of the the scale. Um, but like I said, that's where they started off, well, finished at the end of last season. So you wouldn't expect them to completely turn it around in, in one off season. No, absolutely not. And conversely, Sam Donald the first, the Sam Donald, has gone 3-0. And the Giants, the Jets, sorry, haven't gone three and zero for I think since uh, the early two thousands, if I'm correct. I've got quite the stat to hand now, but um, I think it backed up a point both well, me and Dan made in terms of we like Darnold, and um, I can't quite remember your thoughts exactly on Darnold, but always felt he was going to be okay. And the crucial, I know it's only the Texans, but the crucial thing to remember is obviously CMC went quite early in that game as well, and they've still gone and put up twenty four points and comfortably beat those Texans. And they're a side that are. Uh, Surprising, uh, yeah, I think I'm pleasantly surprised there for it, for in all honesty, uh, from that perspective. Um, and of course, the other rookie QB, Davis Mills, played in that one as well. I think he actually did okay for me, in all honesty. Um, 168 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, 19 for 28. You know, he's not going to won that game, but that's not a great roster either with the Texans. So against the side that are winning games. Um, so, yeah, I think he's not done himself any harm whatsoever there rob you have a, a stat you burst in to uh get out there um <clears throat> now my second award of the week it goes to most exciting player oh yes Derek carr it is Derek carr yes. why he's yes. for 386 yards as the las vegas raiders open the season three and a and Derek carr currently leads the nfl in passing yards well that's that's all I've got, but I thought you'd like it. I do. I like it very much. And it's a game they've gone and chased, they've gone and won. Um, I, I've this Raiders side, again, you know, I wouldn't have had him 3-0 after the first three games. I didn't have him 3-0 after the first three games, but looking pretty good. Quite a good spread on receiving yards across the receiving core. Um, Peyton Barber had a hell of a game on uh, 111 yards. On Sunday, and Dolphins, yeah, Dolphins are a little bit out of sorts. Minus two, Jacob Brissett doing okay. You know, you always do okay if you're putting up 28 points, I guess. But, um, yeah, that's a, I do like uh, the most exciting player of the week award, and that'll be Derek for the next 15 or so weeks, I'd have thought. <laughs> so, congratulations, Derek. But otherwise, anything else you want to sort of cover off there? I know we haven't talked about the Packers 49ers, but... Very close game. Packers come out on top. Aaron Rodgers strop free now, it would appear. And uh, apart from that, Broncos free now. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Told you Broncos would be a good team as well, didn't they? Mm, you did. So, um, yeah, I think the only other thing is just to finish off on then is Jamal Agnew and his uh, 109 yard return for a touchdown for the Jaguars. Getting the ball from the very back of his own end zone. Miss, you know, he avoided multiple tackles along the way, bobbing and weaving. And uh, yeah, what a great play. Absolutely. Something you don't see too often in NFL, but always makes the headlines when you do. So, guys, thanks very much for listening. We'll uh, see you on the preview episode.